Classic Schmessig. Summer of 70s! With Chris and Owen. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Classic Schmassic. Uh, what do we do on this podcast? Let me tell you through the medium of a different kind of podcast. So if we were a food podcast, we would eat food from a long time ago and decide whether that food was still edible here in the modern day. That's sort of what we do, but for yeah. films. And then we talk about whether it still tastes good. And... Yeah, and whether people would cook that recipe nowadays mm. or whether like, it's aged like a good wine yes whether it's aged like a good wine or molded like a bad biscuit indeed that is classic schmassic um welcome to another edition uh i have multiple hosts multiple co-hosts and you should recognize both of them first of all uh you that's me hello i'm owen Charles. pleased to be back again dear listeners and also, excitingly, we have a return host. Hello, my name's Alistair. There you go. Our second returning You're guest. You're the only second, yeah, second time we've ever asked someone back. Wonderful. Well, the only of, second You time. say that, I sort of invited myself back and no. you said yes. <laughs> no, we could have easily gone, no way. But it is our second returning guest. After yes, Jonathan Monkhouse. After Monk Jonathan Monkhouse. Yes, House. yeah. Mm. Funk House, Monk House. That's right. That's what no one calls him. No. <laughs> Despite his best efforts. He's had to have that removed from Facebook as well. Facebook contacted him and said, we don't think that's your real name. You're not oh, allowed no. it anymore. <laughs> I know someone who used to go by Princess Fizzbang. So, I don't know, someone like that. And yeah, they made her put her real name on there. He should just change it by deed poll and go, ha ha. I think mm. that would work. Facebook. Alistair, yeah. I think that would be fine. Well. That is a lot of effort to go to, though, to be fair. Yeah, just to stick it to the man. Yeah. The man being Zuckerberg. Indeed. Well, the fact that Ali's back on the show should should tip the hat to regular listeners what kind of film we're going to watch. And if you don't know, learn the lore, bro. Yeah, maybe go back and see our Battleship Pachemkin episode. (laughs) Pachemkin? Yeah. Okay. Both both versions are acceptable. Excellent stuff. Yeah, we're going to go... Full on Russian once again. (laughs) (laughs) That was either yes or no. I think it was it was yes. From context I got it. (laughs) Yeah. Um Nyet, Nyet Chris. That was no. Okay, got it. guys, I know I do know all of this really. I'm just doing it for comedy effect. I can say loads of things. I watch the Americans. Oh you got Oh yeah, yeah, I I need to see that. Have you not seen it? No, but I keep hearing it. I think I might, yeah. 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 Let, let's make a pact. You will watch it and then tell me what you think. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to do that. Everyone's heard it now, Ali. You have to do it. Oh, no. I'm giving you a super gift because it's an amazing TV series. Yeah, I keep hearing good things. Mm. And I think probably does right by Russia. It doesn't... It, they're definitely not just goggle-eyed bad guys in any way. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard that it is quite balanced considering, you know, where it's... Where it's being made, and I have to be careful now because my wife's American, so... (laughs) Um, But, yeah, um, incidentally, uh, speaking of that sort of topic, Mm. I I used to tell uh, my Russian students that when I first came to Russia, I only knew three phrases, which were da, nyet, and uh, smietspionum, which means death to spies. 
Right. <laughs> they they thought that was funny. I wouldn't roll that one out first lesson, though, because that would be insensitive. No, or indeed, <laughs> that shouldn't be the first thing you say when you go into Russia. Presumably. No. no. Uh, yes, that might be sort of uh, seen as, as trying too hard. But the thing is that if you do only know those three phrases and you burn through the first two very quickly, then that's all you've got left. Yeah, where are you going to go from there? And this brings us to my favourite segment of the show, Putting Chris on the spot. Oh, lovely. What? Give me some Russian phrases that you've picked up from the Americans. I am not sidestepping this. But... But... <laughs> but when there's subtitles, mm. there's some magic that goes on in your brain where you just sort of put the written subtitles into the mouths of the people saying it. Mm -hmm. So you follow the intonation via the subtitles. So I don't really... I don't pick up individual words. Mm. At all. I mean, that's mm. also, as we've discussed, I'm awful at languages. But I just I just see and hear the English. So I okay. haven't picked so up So not even anything. a word? Not well, one? The really interesting mm. thing is uh, um, the two main characters are these two KGB agents that have lived in America for over 20 years and everyone believes them to be American. Just and their kids regular American yeah. folk. And yeah. they don't. They are not allowed to speak Russian. So no. they've been drilled in it to a point where... They would never do. So there's just one brilliant moment in it mm. where she, for the first time, she speaks Russian. It's such an affecting, beautiful moment. Uh, oh, right. Oh, so man. she doesn't just drop a, a hammer on her foot and swear. No, no. That's no a, she drops a hammer on one foot and a sickle, sickle on, on the, the other, other one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the sickle be nasty. You have to go to A and E. Yeah, and you and you'd have to explain yourself. That's how they are caught in the end. <laughs> yeah. A sickle accident. <laughs> Yeah, just had this lying around for no particular reason, comrade. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're gonna we're going to watch Solaris. We are, yes. So that is. Um, I'm gonna level with you. I'm scared. Oh yeah, I'm scared of because I imagine this is going to be sort of very contemplative. It's going to be weird, trippy visuals and an extended screen time as well am i right about these things um well i have i have seen solaris but in fact i've seen i've seen it in the uh the u.s version from about 10 2002 15 years, 2002 i was gonna say 10 15 years ago 15 yeah, years ago right. gosh yeah um but both of those were probably about seven eight years ago so i have very indistinct distinct memories mm. um what do you know about Solaris, Owen? Or have you seen, well, either version? I have seen the George Clooney version. Oh, okay. You have yeah. the yeah. Soderbergh version. I and think. I yeah. thought it was like a shit Event Horizon. Right. <laughs> sort of like Event Horizon without like the cool bits. Ah, uh, okay. Event Horizon with less blood and more angst. No, I think I, I think I liked it actually, but um, it doesn't. I don't have a lot of memories about it other than I mean, I'm, I'm going to say virtually the the plot now you know mm. is that okay with you chris don't want to ruin your experience but sure i mean i, I really seem to remember i mean this is the remake but i'm assuming it's pretty much the same it's basically about an astronaut mm -hmm. who cosmonaut in this case though indeed expect. very good very brilliant good. well yep. done well done cccp um <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> he his wife's dead and he starts seeing his dead wife on a space station, I guess it is. Yeah. 
And he's like, not only are you dead, mm. but you're not wearing a spacesuit. So uh, what are you doing? Yeah. Is that it? That's it. And that is pretty much all I can remember. But he knows that it's not really her or... He he knows she's dead. Or does he? Yeah, I mean he. Yeah. Or should he? Or is she? Um, or would she? I don't know. I'm just saying things now. But what interests me is what <laughs> this is going to be like, what it's going to mm. look like, because you know, seventies science fiction films have got a very certain look in my mind because I'm thinking of American science fiction yeah, films, yeah, yeah. such as Silent Running. Mm, which I haven't seen. I always hear good things, mainly from uh, your great personal friend, Mark Kermode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot in common, me and Mark. Yeah, uh, very critical. Mm. <laughs> mainly of Mark Kermode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm interested in how that works. The The remake mm. is made by one of my very famous... Uh, one of my very famous... Is made by one of my very favourite... American directors, yeah. Steven Soderbergh, who I think is absolutely brilliant. I love him as a maker of, a crafter of images. I think mm. he's incredible. He's really, really gifted at bringing out a good performance from an actor as well, mm. I think. Yeah. So so that's really exciting. I, I, will, I haven't seen the remake either. It's one of his only films I haven't seen. Mm. And I think vaguely in the back of my mind, I was thought i would watch the original first okay so this is now opening the gate for me to watch the other one the stargate the stargate the the space gate space gate space gate was a a scandal about astronauts it's true (laughs) yeah when nasa was it turned out nasa was just a slush fund for some president i would i would like to say and this isn't Mm. meant to disparage chris in any way but i just wanted I to think bring it is, it's no it, isn't. it yeah. really is not <laughs> is that mean. chris actually said that do we have to do this do we want to do this <laughs> yeah i did and and i said yes of course we do no i said um i think we should because there's been quite a few films that i have not wanted to see <laughs> yes and you've been quite vocal about yeah. that as well which which is good but and i think this is one of the points of this podcast is is that there are these things that we have preconceptions mm, about. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, you can say that you've seen it. I think even if it, yeah. it, all your preconceptions turn out to be true. When's the right time to sit down and watch mm. an almost three-hour Russian angst-filled space odyssey? When yeah. When is the time where you're like, that's what I'm going to do? It's only when you're doing a podcast. If yeah. you don't do it now, I don't think you'll ever do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are going to do it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a, I have a, a, well, not exactly a confession, but as far as one of Tarkovsky's other films, Stalker, um, I it took me three attempts to actually watch it all the way through because the first couple of times, I was foolish enough to try and attempt to watch it late at night, and that's mm. also a very similar runtime. I just got into a, sort of ten minutes into it each time, and just went, no, this is not working. I. This is making me sleepy. So, <laughs> so I imagine there's there's a certain amount of similarity with this. So I'm not necessarily selling it very well. So let the yucks commence. <laughs> What's the director's name again? Andrei Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. Yeah. So I'm imagining he is he sees cinema as a bit of a like an something that you have to endure. He has things to say about the human condition and he will say it in his own time and at his own pace. And you, if you want to receive the gold at the centre of it, you just need to 
like strap in that's that's pretty close to to what i've i've read uh, um i mean i've read some interviews um and you don't know how much of, the, of this is a reflection of of the translation as i've only read it in english but mm. but he does come across as quite a grump a grumpy curmudgeonly sort but he also had a lot of trouble getting some of his films made because of the soviet censors they they were not they were not always best buddies right what are some of his other you know if you went on IMDb and you looked at the known for section, yeah. what what would it be for him? Because he's always mentioned in lists yeah. whenever they sort of talk about Truffaut and yeah, yeah. Kurosawa and things like that. His name always comes up. Didn't he do Harold and Kumar Get the Munches? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he's he's one of the yeah he is one of these directors who is yeah, as you say very fated if that's the right word mm, um and an probably e. yeah indeed um likes coconut yeah uh, um and, and i mean if you're talking about russian directors that are known about in the west it's pretty much him and the other guy we, we did the, the other part, podcast on eisenstein i can't think off the top of my head of anybody else that's particularly um well known so yeah he does have this so re- certain fighting reputation. Again. yeah it must be yeah. pretty incredible to carve that niche out at all yeah um but he wasn't very prolific he he only did he only did seven seven films that's in okay total. i've only done a couple <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 still young chris okay sure um Thanks. although speaking speaking of speaking of young uh tarkovsky died i think in his mid 50s so I mean, if he was still around, because I, th- I think he died mid mid eighties, he'd he'd be, he'd be about eighty something, but he could still conceivably still be making. You got twenty years to catch yeah, up, Woody Chris. Allen. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, and who's sort of the total opposite end of the sort of prolificness scale? Yes, that's true. So, um, do you know the seven films? Uh, I could have a go. So it's grumpy, uh, <laughs> grumpy, <sleepy. laughs> Yeah. So you have um, Ivan's childhood, uh, Andrei Rublev. Salyaris, Mirror, and then I think it was Stalker, and then uh, Nostalgia, and then the last one is The Sacrifice. I think. Oh my gosh, that is incredible. Oh. <laughs> Owen wanted to trip you up there, but no, you... I, why do you always assume him? that I'm trying to yeah, humiliate or disparage Because someone. you just named a section of the show, <laughs> like, what was it? Uh, let's catch chris out corner yeah. no it wasn't yeah. called that. Yeah. it's like put chris on the spot yeah put put mm. that's why that's why i assume okay and and is this his most famous film uh i think arguably yeah i think it's probably this or andrei rublev mm-hmm. but i think this is probably the one that i've heard of this because of the remake pretty mm. much. yeah yeah Salyaris, is that yeah. How you say it? yeah i mean that's partly my if i have an accent at all in in russian it's more of a moscow accent mm-hmm. and they tend to pronounce o's as more of like an a ah. okay so uh so, so yeah whereas if you're from st petersburg i think it'd be more of an o sol solyaris mm. um, but yeah chris has more of an oral accent i think is that true yeah what my russian speaking yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. i'm more ukrainian i kind of i kind of drift all over the place with my accent i think well i'm actually quite excited now i think you you've set the mood well for this i is there anything else i want to say i think there's going to be flashing lights (laughs) okay to show in the turmoil in the turmoil equals flashy lights 
It's a famous uh, language of cinema. Yep. Oh, speaking, I wanted Montage. to. I did want to pick up on your point about Steven Soderbergh, though. That's um, in terms of the you know very striking visuals. That is probably the main thing that Tarkovsky is known about, known for rather is 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 that it's very much emphasised. The you know he's a visualist. Yes, but also like stretching time and things, um, whatever that means. So I guess whether you are making your first film when you were eight years old called Silver Glasses, it was a James Bond film, very funny. Or whether you're watching the 2002 remake of Solaris with George Clooney and waiting for Dr. Alan Grant to appear. Or whether you're blasting off into the Earth's atmosphere as the first man in space. Yes. I mean, stop doing that. Very good. Laker. Laker. Is that a dog? Laker. Yeah. Laker. Yeah. Laker the Laker. Yeah. That's the dog. That's the dog, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which incidentally, everyone knows stuff, Owen. I mean, stop what you're doing unless you are somehow listening to this back in time, and you are Yuri Gagarin because you probably could have some sort of major malfunction. So continue to concentrate on whatever it is you're doing in space. Yeah, but hopefully someone has packed a copy of Solaris so that while you're doing that, you can also watch it. for 20 minutes <laughs> think about life maybe there is a sparrow there is is it a sparrow or is it all of existence oh what i'm awake i'm awake cool <laughs> hey well well done everyone for getting through that almost three hours long that was a hard ask but we know every listener every time goes away and listens listens goes away and watches the film so thank you for doing that we've all done it haven't we yes <laughs> yeah we have yeah. Every, yeah. everyone's also zombified yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah in a uh, russian film induced stupor that's I'm still true. contemplating the nature of human existence well while you're doing that shall i mm. synopsify oh yes please do it is your turn okay then well there's this guy right and his name is Chris Calvin. He has monogram pajamas. He does. KK. That's his name. Calvin or Kelvin? Kelvin. Like the heat measurement. measurement. Yeah. Yeah. He's hot. He is a psychologist and cosmonaut, and he is being sent to a space station orbiting a planet called Solaris because even though this space station started off having 82 people on it, it has dwindled to three, and those three are acting batshit crazy. So he, I guess, is the most experienced because not only is he a cosmonaut, he is, as I say, a psychologist. So he is sent out to check on them, essentially, and to decide whether to continue with the mission. The mission is to study the planet. The planet is covered in a vast ocean. The ocean is slightly sentient. It seems like, or at least there is a theory that the ocean is sentient. And the people who... uh, 
go to the station somehow meld or bond with this consciousness or that's the theory uh, there's a whole pre prequel bit about another guy who went there and started seeing weird things from his past but anyway chris goes there and uh it meets the two crazy inhabitants because the third one has killed himself the third one is the one that chris knows personally and uh to cut a long story short he starts seeing his dead wife but we know it's not actually her and we know it's not a hallucination because the other two can see her too and indeed chris can see the halluc- the in inverted commas hallucinations of the other two scientists who are called Sartori Sartorius, Sartorius yeah. and uh, Studio Ghibli and Snout. <laughs> uh, one of which is a tiny person who we see for one second. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he becomes incredibly involved with this being because she doesn't know that she isn't real and has to work it out. She slowly becomes more human as she spends time with him. But at the same time, he becomes more ill because she is toxic to him. So in the end, in a lovely display of the seemingly re- real love that she that she feels for him, kills herself in order to stop him dying. And he, well, we're not sure about it. In, in the end, he creates islands of his own thoughts and memories on the ocean. And the last shot is either him going to visit that or he's created a simulcrum of himself on that island and we see that and he returns to Earth. We don't know. We just don't know. We don't know. We do not know. And if only Tarkovsky had cut a long story short. I mean, that's most of the elements. I mean, no, there's, that's there's good. a lot more texture. Yeah. Incredibly succinct because it... it I was worried you were going to make me do that. And I was thinking, <laughs> how am I going to cram all of this into a short synopsis? Um, but no, that was that was pretty much what happens. Well, I guess we get into the meat of it now. Who would like to go first? Everyone's looking at me. Yep. Um, the meat of it. Well, I thought of something while you're talking and f- promptly forgot it. Mm-hmm. Good. You know? <laughs> I just think that the the whole thing, to me, could be a way of looking at letting go of something unhealthy. You know, some kind of addiction or an obsession. A relationship. Uh, yeah. And that's the whole thing about you love it and you want it to be around and you want it all the time. But it's making you physically sick. I mean, it could be mentally ill or, mm. or whatever. And I think that's just the whole thing really is so open to interpretation. He doesn't, as a director, manipulate you really in in any way, like in the ways that I'm used to in modern cinema, in the ways that music play a part in telling you how you should feel. And it's just very artful, but still has a story, which I feel something like, it feels like an art film, but it's it's not just pretentious nonsense the whole time. Although I certainly feel on a, felt on occasion like, is this just kind of going off into the weeds of just weirdness? But but no, it kind of hold, holds together. As you I mean, say. it does go off into the weeds. That's that's true. Very literally. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. I did like the weeds shot. I'm really pleased to have seen this film because I feel like now I'm slightly more 
familiar with what it is Tarkovsky does. And it's interesting. I feel like he's very much... It's very visual. I know that's a silly thing to say about film, but it's about specific images. Um, and they do evoke... a fit. And I enjoy it. They, they, they're very evocative. And it's not just, what is this I'm looking at? Um, well, not all the time. <laughs> yeah, there is a certain amount yeah. of, what am I looking at? Yeah. Yes. But... I don't know. I, I, it lingers and it's very long and slow, but I almost feel like you can't judge it in that way that you would judge a normal film in terms of just being too long. I, I can't watch this film and say, oh, he should have cut that out. He should have cut that out. Actually, no, there is one bit. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. The, <laughs> the sequence of driving across the city where we don't really in know Japan. where it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, but then he has that kid with him and we... we Later on, it's interesting to wonder if he's brought back one of these life forms. Which but shouldn't be possible, no. but maybe it is, yeah. Yeah, maybe that kid has been with him ever since. Pretty weird. I would like to very quickly pick up on what Owen said mm. about how we can't sort of judge this film like other films. I do feel that it's using a different cinematic language. Mm. It's not the cinema of so much, the cinema of words and narrative it's a cinema of emotions and meditations and visuals it's constructing a different way of doing cinema mm. and i feel like you have to judge it on its own terms which is what you said but i just wanted mm. to echo that i yeah. think that's true oh it is it's incredibly singular yeah i can't think of of well other than other tarkovsky films that are that try to do a similar thing. I mean, having seen Stalker quite recently, yeah, very, very similar, though for the record, Stalker, I think, is a, a even more difficult film than that. There is less plot um, and a lot more uh, weird floaty stuff. But um, I, I enjoyed this one more, although, yeah, enjoyed even is not necessarily the right word. I think um, a lot of the films that you typically watch, they're trying to be entertaining and either, you know, either hitting that or, you know, most of the time they do or, or, you know, failing slightly. Whereas this in no way is trying to be entertaining. It's not entertainment. And to say, oh, it's just trying to be art sounds sort of, it sounds sort of pretentious, but it's still, it's still engaging. I think it took me anyway, quite a long time to get into it. It was only really when you got to the space station that I felt like it was compelling. But from then on, it I didn't understand most of what was going on, but it was, you know, it was my attention was really sort of hooked in, hooked in by yeah. that by that point. There was some beautiful, even in the translation, there were some beautiful lines. I do think that even in the translation, uh, obviously, because um, Ali was helping us a little bit when the translation diverged from what was actually said, but even in this translation of the subtitles we read there's some really beautiful lyrical content mm. in there yeah for a film where you said we've, that's not we've, the main language yeah main language of cinema still. yeah when we've sort of emphasized how visual it is there was an awful lot of dialogue um but yes as you say it was the the dialogue was part of the uh evocativeness mm. i think something it did really well was i got a sense of i don't know if i want to say space it, because there's a lot of space within the film, and by that mm. I mean room to breathe. And you get these kind of lingering shots, like we've talked about previously, things like Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. And that kind of evokes um, a feeling of 
you know, being in the desert. It's more mm. to do with the landscape and, and getting a sense of where you are. And with 2001, it was long, drawn-out shots of space and spacecraft landing, things like that. But you don't really have that in this. You just have a brilliant way of conveying the kind of isolation of being on a space station, mm. which is not easy or it's not as easy as it sounds when you've got hardly any shots of space. You've got a space station that's got sort of three to four people walking around yeah. on it. But it's still, I don't know, it, it was really quite... It just delivered this feel. It was very toneful, if that's a word, and was much more like like you've really alluded to, Chris, with saying an emotional sense coming along rather than just telling you things or showing mm. you things. You feel things, but it's not kind of a depth of feeling due to an emotional response. It's just, it's being able to be in a scene for a a long amount of time. Hmm. Yeah, I think, and another part of that, the way that that this was shot is that it's not embarrassing. None of the effects Hmm. are embarrassing because they are conceptual and abstract to a certain extent. Um, there's no kind of really awful dodginess about any of the period detail stuff, I didn't think. Yeah, although we d- we did have a little bit of concern about the, the bit where he sends the first Hari apparition off in the spaceship. There is a bit where he accidentally sets himself on fire. That that was the, probably the one exception where it was a little bit taken out. But even so, I thought that the the scale of that rocket and mm. the way it went past him and stuff, mm. there was no kind of dodgy green screen, probably because you couldn't do dodgy green screen at yeah. that point. Yeah. Oh, you could, actually, yeah, because they were doing that in well, the 40s, I think. Sure. Okay, yeah. But yeah. there was no... that. It all felt solid and real. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. extremely tasteful because he's obviously a guy who is committed to the images that he's putting on the screen. So I feel like he's not going to allow anything beyond perfect to be on screen really to a sense because everything was amazing and it's this thing that we always or i always gone on about where i really get pulled out of a film where they try and reach too far Mm. and they go for an effect that they're not capable of achieving and it's always better to show less there's so many bits in this film that you don't see that are implied or or you see the aftermath mm. of and to an extent while watching it there's a slight thing where you if you've got the kind of brain where you're trying to look behind the scenes you do think oh they didn't show that because they couldn't show that but i i would rather that and maintain like i say this consistent tone and feeling rather than have you pulled out by some rubbish effect of a yeah, spaceship oh, going through a ceiling or something yeah 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 um but uh, but yeah, the effects that they do have are 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 convincing. Like the uh, the the makeup effects when Harry comes through the door when she's uh, when she's left alone, she basically goes a bit insane and then tries to come through a metal door and kind of and succeeds. succeeds. Yeah, but uh, at the cost of you know hideously mutilating her her arms. And mm. that's and that looks really quite shocking. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of suicide. Th- theme in in this uh uh in this film in, in fact for that reason and the sort of existential stuff it sort of reminded me thematically anyway of of hamlet right for just yeah the, the fact that those are sort of recurring mm. um and there's a lot of 
well there's the and there's a indecision because a lot of it is caught up with you know does he sort of pull the plug on the mission does he just leave and go back to earth and he's he's kind of he's really yeah he's really torn because he wants to continue having this relationship with the projection even because she is becoming more human and it's sort of becoming harder for him to tear himself away i love the idea that they call them guests yeah really nice kind of haunting way of saying Mm. it i feel it's interesting that he's a psychologist because you could have had any reason for someone to go and visit the station it could have been an engineer to go and fix a malfunction or something like that and this idea i mean the people on the ship are fairly private about their own guests mm. and what they mean and i feel like it's just, it's talking about everyone has things in their past or issues you know problems from childhood i mean in this film it it's often people that have died loved yeah. ones and things like that and it's almost like these things from from their past are coming back to haunt them and they're having to deal with them but now what's happening is is that other people are able to see them to an extent and they're manifesting themselves and I think he's obviously a psychologist for that reason. At least that's that's my understanding of it. Yeah, well, it's it's also an interesting choice that they have somebody who isn't psychologically naive, and that kind of co- conveys the power of what's at work with the uh, with the planet. Because you know he should know better, yeah. but still, this is so kind of compelling that he almost can't help himself. I think it's really interesting how they never play the game of is this real? Is this really happening? Like, right from the beginning, he's told, you are not mad. When mm. this happens, don't think you're mad because you're not. It, the, yeah. It's not interested in that kind of parlor trick at all, is it? It's mm. interested, as you say, in someone walking into that situation with his eyes wide open, but still because he want, he misses her and he wants to be with her, he's still allowing himself to get to that point or even starting to ask questions about he says at one point, you are the real Harry now. She, You know, you look like her now. She looks like you because you're the person I'm having mm, the relationship yeah, yeah. with, which is really interesting. He seems to give up pretty quick on doing any head shrinking while he's up there. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. He's just like, oh, they're real. Okay, fine. Well, I'm just in for the ride now. Yeah, you my know, beautiful wife is yeah. back. I'm yeah. going to lounge in bed all day. One thing I felt, I don't know if this is a Russian thing or, or, or what, but there was not a great deal of emotion coming from anyone until actually Harry, who's not apparently real, they all seem to react to everything fairly matter-of-factly. I mean, you could say they're in shock. But, like, I don't know, there was no moment when he was visibly shocked by the fact that she was there. Hmm. Well, certainly there was there was not a lot of empathy going going on between the crew members. You know, like something would happen to Chris and... Snout would go, well, you know, that's just happened. Uh, I'm just going to walk off now. And right. there was that bit where she like... first tries to kill herself, where mm. Snout just goes for a run around the spaceship and we never oh, know why. yeah, that was weird. A lot, of, a lot of weird stuff does go on. Really erratic behaviour. Yeah. But I think it's sort of like, here's how I read it. This is mm. my headcanon on it, which is this, that when magnetic fields go you know like where you have a strong magnet near other magnetic fields they all kind of get a bit warped Mm. if we look at this planet as a consciousness version of a massively powerful Mm. magnet i feel like everyone 
were that that were being altered just by being near it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, everyone's being pulled off from mm. true so north. Not, yeah, so they're not acting if a, a true north. Yeah, you know, um, they're not acting the way. Yeah, the true north of their personality yeah. is not. So mm. so perhaps when he sees his dead wife on a chair next to his bed, normally he would be ah and run across yeah. the room, but it isn't normal. He's in this yeah. different space. Yeah, well, he definitely has sort of initial misgivings. And, I mean, I want to talk about this a bit more, but the performances are really, for my money, really, really good. People do a fantastic job. Um, more so when they're, when they're not speaking than when they're speaking, really. There's, there's just... Tarkovsky has a really excellent way of just capturing people's faces at the right mm. moments to, mm. to convey that. Um, I felt like the, the opening of the film... There was a lot of different shots, like the weeds and the horses. Mm. And you mentioned that he often puts imagery of horses in his films and yeah. uh, hands in water. And we saw all that stuff. And even though there was sound, yeah. it was extremely quiet. And then there was a moment where they start these two, his father and, and the other guy start calling Chris from a mm. fair distance. And I really felt like a spell had been broken when they. Yeah. I think that was intentional again because they it was quite the 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 volume was pretty loud, mm. but I was really enjoying this kind of meandering, silent bit of film almost. And then when the dialogue came in, I was like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah, but it is very very interesting the way that the 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 sound and and the music is done with this film. It's not that there's no music. There's you know sparse. quite a bit. It's it's extremely sparse and. I'm not even going to say that they don't use the the music to create emotion either, but it's not it's not a conventional usage, and and some of the music is is Bach, but just kind of played on weird seventies organ, and then some of it is kind of like, I guess, sort of Johnny Greenwood weird noise, mu- you know, it's not even music really, it's sort of sound effects that are you know really quite oppressive, and the film does have a lot of um, sort of claustrophobic effects and partly that's the visuals but a lot of that is 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 the sound it's yeah it's incredibly good at sort of creating an atmosphere but yeah just doesn't feel conventionally manipulative yeah that's right i think as owen said earlier it it isn't tugging your heartstrings and if it is you don't know why it is because it's a point where you're like well i don't know why this is a big moment yeah Maybe it's just it's more incremental. It sort of it kind of earns it rather than just going right. You're supposed to feel this now. Bam! Here's some strings. I wonder as well. You is know? it that it does does Tarkovsky is he planning every moment? Does he go right? I need to do this here and I want to do this. Or is he a bit more on the fly? Does does as he's shooting? Does he go ah? Oh, this would be interesting. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna zoom in right on his ear and show you his ear hair. Jazz. You know, or is it like was that in the script? Or do you know what I'm trying to say? Because there are things which I think I know there'll be people like going on about the significance of this and the significance of that. But I think is that really is every moment in this film planned to a T, or is it more about essentially is it him going that would be cool that's interesting to do this or is there always an ulterior meaning behind it all or is it sometimes just a sense of i think this is an evocative image Mm. i think it's uh, from what i've read and there's there's a really i'm gonna 
a little plug for my my blog uh, there was a a post i did about a, a video essay a chapter that's about it's, it's about a 15 minute video essay mm-hmm. and from what he was saying it it was a bit more sort of free flowing like he had yeah. a good idea of where the thing was supposed to go and the beats it was supposed to hit but he didn't he didn't sort of storyboard out yeah. everything in a sort of very rigid way so i think he was sort of open to okay well I, yeah how's this how's this working oh this this looks really good there was kind of an element of um i guess serendipity and sort of mm. uh spontaneity yeah and i think i mean that i'm not surprised because that really comes across and i think it it's almost more artful in a way to be open to being in the moment and it creates more specific and individual things on screen mm. that way yeah no very very much so i i wanted to pause for a moment and think about the film stocks and the way he used them mm. mm-hmm. he used an awful lot of different ones that's all i have to say about it <laughs> yeah but again you're you're then watching again well what is the significance of this it starts off in color and then there's a scene in black and white but then you're like well this scene isn't a memory like sometimes you know you might do that where you're going on you know, yeah 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 but um I doubt it was because he went. Oh, what? What? Ne- what's the next film stock we've got? Cheap, you know. <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah, we did joke about that when we were watching. Yeah, yeah it's just like a pile, and just oh, next yeah. one. I would love it if that was it. We'll just yeah. see how this turns out. Mm. What's this one? A yellow one. Woo! But this is the thing about art, and I mean, this feels like art uh, more than it. What I like about this, I suppose, is this is arty films for beginners in a way. It feels like it's an art film for me because there's a lot of other things going on that entertain me and keep me interested as well as just art for art's sake if that's such a thing and there's a shot where there's a guy addressing a sort of delegation of people Mm. and through the windows you see i think i mean some kind of blackbird a crow or something come and land on a tree while he's talking and already even though this is only about sort of five minutes in the tone and style of the film is making you think oh what's the significance of that but it could just be that, you know, this bird landed on a branch and he thought, that's good, we'll keep that in. Because you hear that all the time where there's just this bit of serendipity where they think, oh, we'll keep this in. But then there are some things later on. There is sounds of birds and some imagery of birds in the paintings yeah. later on. But again, it's like, well, was that planned or did that bird land? And then he thought, oh, we'll go back to that. Mm. And I mean, it doesn't really matter yeah. to an extent. But being open to that... Mm is interesting yeah Very improv yeah it is yeah it really is <laughs> nicely done um there's also there's a lot of um you've kind of alluded to it already but repeating not even just imagery but particular objects like we have a, a bust i'm not sure whether it's plato or whether it's homer it's certainly a sort of ancient greek figure that sort of turns up in various different places yeah. and we kind of have these images of fire and uh, and water and there's more there's more of them but uh, they kind of feel like they are very deliberately there and that kind of it gives it a weird cohesiveness well yeah it's not just a series of random stuff he's showing us i feel like my synopsis of the film you could do a very different one and still be correct about Mm, it mm. i mean my pet theory was perhaps that he never went to the space station and that he is himself a guest created by the um the third cosmonaut whose name escapes me Gibarian. Yeah, Gibarian knew him, so maybe he was created. Because we don't see him arrive in any kind of conventional spaceship. No. He's just suddenly there. Um, so, so 
maybe he's a creation. Maybe he never leaves Earth. I mean, it's there's loads of different interpretations, and and the film, I think, as Owen said earlier, it it doesn't it doesn't sweat not letting you know. It doesn't mind being vague. Mm. It's just throwing out a lot of particulars, and you can hold on to whatever you want. A little facet of the story that I really enjoyed was at the beginning where they watch a piece of film based on an account that Burton, one of the the pilots who was flying over this planet, saw. And he claims to have seen... I can't remember. Did he say it was 40 foot high? Uh, Four metre high. Four metres high. He saw a naked baby covered in some sort of slick substance. Goo, yeah. Yeah, walking around. And I just thought... Just that, just that having that image described, and the fact that you're being told, oh, he was, you know, we accept the fact that he was on another planet. That's not in question. Yeah. It's just now he's mental because he's seeing this stuff on the planet. And I'm thinking, this, I don't know, I just think it's a really cool description, and it's unusual because the stuff that we see is all just how they were when they were alive, these, mm. these sort of fragments from people's memories. Whereas now we've suddenly got this four-metre baby walking around. That is presumably a projection of the the dead guy that you were just talking about. I don't know. I just found, I found that kind of a, a weird concept. Yeah, Burton, the pilot, finds mm. someone else's guest, the mm. person he's out searching for, Yeah, uh, who perishes somehow, we presume, because yeah. he or she never comes back. And I just think that's, and then they go and see that he goes and sees the child when he gets mm. back to Earth, and and it looks exactly not four meters tall, but looks exactly the same. Mm. And I'm, I'm just thinking, but why was it four meters tall? And I think it might have something to do with the fact that they were on the planet's not surface, but near near to the the surface of the of the water or whatever it is. It can manifest uh, more strongly, mm. or maybe it's more just a kind of it's a comment on the state of the person who's creating it well the film is based on a novel so mm. you could always go and read the novel ali in the original russian I th- oh no it's polish yeah, i think it's yeah i think it's polish i think i think the uh the original author um wasn't wasn't a fan of of the of tarkovsky's interpretation i think i think he's he spent i mean i've read all this secondhand but i think he spends a lot more time on the precise details of sort of how the planet works but mm. yeah it it doesn't that doesn't sound as compelling as as the film i've just watched mm. but yeah maybe i just need to go away and actually judge for myself because that's usually what you should do but uh, it yeah. feels like it's literary though it feels like it's come from a story to me it feels like a short story mm. to me more than a novel i have to say yeah yeah even and, though it's three hours long yeah yes yeah and it did cram in quite a lot of either literary references or literary allusions like we had he was sort of talking about uh, Tolstoy there was also a bit where I think it was from Don Quixote because he was talking about uh, Sancho presumably Sancho Panza and um, no definitely because the illustrations had a guy with the lance with the lance just in case you sort of had I think also because Chris had the Scott Bakula grey hair thing going on and of course as we all know during an episode of Quantum Leap Dr. Sam Beckett did leap into the body of an opera singer who had to perform Don Quixote. Really? Yeah. I also really enjoyed the bit where Chris solves a problem with the guests by doing a round kick on roundhouse kick 
yeah. on on this. Oh, I should say the set's really good. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it? we've totally not talked about that at all. So I was just imagining him roundhouse kicking Kick one of those the nuggets, little Sam. red yeah. lockers, and it's like, oh no, I should say yeah. how striking the yeah. production design was on the actual set. Yeah, and especially when you've got this sort of juxtaposition between the library, which is this incredibly plush room crystals at, chandelier yeah, like shod. all this art on the wall and and then it kind of opens onto the corridor which is this very sort of cylindrical with these very striking red i don't know what would you call them like i thought rivets. it was yeah it, yeah it looked it looked incredible it didn't look it didn't look like like a set it uh, has aged well it has it it's has. very clever because i think quite often what you or what you might have had would have been the the earth like set of that almost like a drawing room or study it was a library wasn't it really but a very old-fashioned type library to cover up the fact that they couldn't afford to build a proper spaceship or space station but they i don't want to say they get away with it because i think it's the intention but because you see that other portion of the ship Mm. and it's the sets aren't very big um or they're not as big as the library but it sells it in saying like, no, this is a proper space station. But probably I'm, my head canon is, yeah, of course they would have a room in there that feels like it's on Earth because for people to be up there for any space of yeah. time, it's an escape. It, it, it must be a pleasurable thing to, to feel like you're not on a space station, that you're actually in a library in Ealing or something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for people's mental health. Not mm. that that really works very well, as Didn't it turns work. out. It yeah. did not work. <laughs> They all killed them. I mean, what happened to them all? I think they spent too much time in that room with the wonky fridge. Right. Yeah, yeah. Why put this fridge in the middle of the corridor? It seems like a bad design decision. Yeah, it's probably the most profound mystery of the whole movie. (laughs) Certainly is. Um, Well, I think it's now time for us to rain down judgment upon Solaris like a solar flare. Or some gooey substance. Some gooey planet sperm. I don't know what it is. Yellow splooge. Is anyone feeling like they want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Ali. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it, I just kind of have to go back to the, it's a, it's a singular, it's a singular film. It, it, it doesn't feel, well, that's what singular means. It doesn't feel like Anything many, else. many, many others. So it, it feels like an odd, odd thing to, to compare it. I think, I really want to see it again um, quite soon. On the other hand, it was something of an ordeal as well. So it's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to set three hours aside. But there's, I just feel like there was lots of stuff that I missed and it was intriguing. Um, so in that regard, I think it's probably a marginal classic if you're allowed to have those. You are. Great. Great. Uh, Owen, I'm sure, wants to be left to last, so we don't know which way his yeah. mercurial brain will fall. Oh, you uh, know me so well. <laughs> I'll go next. Uh, this was almost like a tone poem. It was so different to anything that I'd seen before. It was light and sound and shapes and colour. There was a really strong narrative, actually, and very impressive performances from everyone involved as Ali said earlier um it was incredible to look at it has aged better than virtually any film that we've seen so far as well um it 
I completely understand why you described it as an ordeal. There were points where it's hard going, but sometimes things that are worthwhile are hard going sometimes. They, you know, they make you earn those moments of profundity and um, deeper meaning. Um, so I was very happy to have seen it. Um, yeah, I feel like instead of saying the word classic, I should hold up a sign that says classic because that feels more appropriate. So I'll do that now. He actually did as well. Yeah. Um, I like this more than Battleship Pachomkin. Good. I preferred it to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Both schmassics so far. Very similar, though, in a lot of ways. And very different in many ways to 2001. The thing I felt about 2001 is it was an accomplished film. It was done with skill. But I think most of that skill was found in the shots and the sets and the overall look of the piece. I felt like this did all that, but it also made sense to some degree. Whereas 2001, I just felt was a load of nonsense. I felt that this was full of things that I am not clever enough to understand or to comprehend fully. I wouldn't wish to see it again soon, but I wouldn't be adverse to seeing it again in the distant future. I feel like there are a lot of things within it, as I said, you know, I didn't fully understand, but I think they are there. Or I don't think it's like a puzzle to unlock. I just think there's more to discover within it. So it would benefit from, from a second viewing. I'm not sure that I care enough to revisit it um, because of this nature of... I think Tarkovsky just puts in things that he thinks are cool and add something to the tone that he's going for. It's a really, really difficult decision for me because it is truly brilliant. But I always consider enjoyment and entertainment over art when I'm doing this show. So... This could well be the wrong decision, but I'm going to give it a schmassic. Ooh, I didn't know which way I was going to go with it. No. Well, no. that means that uh, on aggregate, I don't think that's the right word, but it sounds good, doesn't <laughs> Away it? Away goals. Yeah. yeah, on aggregate, we have given Solaris a classic schmassic. Excellent. Um, but with a lot of recommendations and stuff in mm. there, I think we all saw positives in it. Um, oh, a ton, a ton yeah. of them. And also, we all have to warn you that if you are going to watch this film, if you didn't stop and watch it like we told you to... Yes, how dare you? There are going to be moments where you're angry with us for having <laughs> yeah, recommended it. I think that's why <laughs> yeah. I went with Schmassic, mainly. Yeah. No, yeah. That, was yeah. A, that was a good call. Thank I think... God for Owen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so we won't, won't have people writing in going, I wasted nearly three hours of my life. Here's why I decided to give it a Schmassic in the end. The last, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, I was like, I just, this can end now. I'm fine with this just being over. Even if it's some bullshit ending where it just fades to white, that's okay. And I did fall asleep quite a few times. Just micro-sleeps. Yeah, sure. But, you know, that says something, I think. Yeah, that you need more sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So thank you so much for coming on this journey with us. Thank you, Andy, for once again coming to co-host... Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank well, you for inviting me back, particularly when I, when uh, Owen and I overthrew you last time and your benevolent rule. 
Hey, that's absolutely fine. Ali, do you want to direct some of our listeners to your internet-based media? Yeah, so um, if you're interested in a sort of Russian-related stuff, I, I have a website. Uh, you can find it at uh, rusifilesunite.wix.com uh, uh, slash home. Um, so I have a variety of, uh, of different posts about Russia-related things. And uh, since the last time I was on, I've done a few interviews as well with some people who are relate who are sort of doing things related to Russian culture. Most recently, I, I interviewed a food anthropologist who does pop up uh, Russian food inspired events. So Ooh. check it out. You can also find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Rusifiles letter U. So Rusifiles to spell it out. It's not a word you necessarily <laughs> encounter every day. It's R U S O P H I L E S. Great stuff. Cool. Well, before we go, would you like to delve into my schmail bag? Of course. Okay. Um, this is a question from Vanessa Riley. And the question is, if you had to choose one of the films you've covered to be remade, which would you choose and who would you want to direct it? Now, I'm glad we've got Ali as a guest because he can probably remember what films we've done better than we can. That's true. I'm trying to think of one. The reason I asked this question is because this film was remade by Steven Soderbergh. That was the link. I'm trying to keep oh, these thematic, man. you know? It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, clearly it has to be The Seventh Seal uh, by Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... I mean, that would be incredible. Evil. Pure, so pure good. evil. Well, you could... I mean, that could be kind of cool because you would have the... He's coming back from the Crusade, so you'd probably start off with some big battles. I don't know how effective... I suppose they could have those big oil sort of catapulty things. They could explode there would a be lot. a lot of those, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I think I would go for the general, mm. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, okay. He would not only direct, he would also star and sing the theme tune. I mean, that's really the only choice. But Jackie Chan now? No. Oh. So you also have a time machine. Yeah. I think the idea is this. now. Right I mean, now. I don't right wish to harsh your buzz. Surely it's just, Vanessa just wants to know a modern filmmaker redoing a classic film. So but Jackie Chan in it, of a few years ago is okay. I mean, it's... he's just getting a little bit. But I'd worry for him now. I know. I just feel like if you can pick like anyone from all time, I'll be like, oh, right, then I'll have Hitchcock directing everything because he's brilliant, isn't he? <laughs> well, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so it just has to be someone who's working right no, now. No, I don't want to ruin it. If that's your answer, that's fine. Yeah, that is my answer. Okay, I would uh, go with the Seven Year Itch, uh-huh. and I'd like it to be remade. By, I think, as we, uh, we've already mentioned it, because it is kind of from a male perspective mm. and pretty mm. misogynistic, written by Cody Bank. No, Cody, Cody Banks. Banks. Agent <laughs> yes. Cody Banks. Malcolm in the middle. Yeah, Malcolm in the middle. Right. Okay, no, good. I mean. Um, no, can I just ask? Is that the Malcolm in the middle of now? Or when he was in Malcolm in the middle? Uh, when he was in Malcolm okay. in the middle. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah. of course. Now, Chris, come on. Um, his name's Frank. Uh, what's her name? I've forgotten her name. The Do one who wrote Diablo, Juno. Diablo, Diablo Cody. Cody. There yeah. you go. Diab no, I'm going to stick with Cody Banks. <laughs> okay. The, and direct the fictional character yeah. Cody Banks. Yeah. Okay. And I was going to say the director of Bring It On or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there we go. There we go. I hope, I think Vanessa will be very pleased with those yeah. answers. Yes. I am. I am too. 
Dear listener, it is always such an honour to have you join us for these little forays into the cinematic past. Um, We hope that you continue to do that. But for now, we must close the door on the Schmassic House for another week. Wave you goodbye and see you next week for another in our season of... Your neighbours must think, why is it every sort of two months they shout this weird thing all the time? They just go all weird, yeah. 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 Okay. I, I think they do think that. It's not even like it can be cycles of the moon or anything. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. Dasvidaniya. Right. Maybe what's goodbye in Russian? Dasvidaniya. Or, das... or more colloquially, pucker. Oh, pucker, mate. <laughs> <laughs> pucker. You've been listening to Classic Schmessic Summer of Seventies with Chris and Owen. If you leave it now, you'll take away the biggest part of me. Ooh, no, baby, please don't go. Red Radio. Independent Podcasting Network.